listening to the Embassy Church Podcast. And here is today's message. We've been speaking about the Holy Spirit, and I kind of thought I was done until I went for a walk the other day, and, and I felt the Lord say that He wanted me to talk on this specific subject. And so I'm going to read Luke 4. Verse 14, it says, Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Jesus, remember, he had gone into the wilderness to be tested. He's coming out of the wilderness. And, it, and this is where, it, where he's coming right out of it. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. The news of him went out throughout the surrounding region, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth, Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. I always picture that moment always as like a mic drop, just shuts the book, hands it, sits down. Enough said. But he says a word in there that says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. Now we have a lot of words that we use uh, on a regular basis. Boy, that preacher was really anointed. Man, that music, the atmosphere was so anointed. But what does anointed mean? And so we're going to look at that for a moment. What are, the, what are we saying when we say anointed? Anointed, the word means to smear, to rub, and to pour. In the Old Testament, there was something called the anointing ceremony. And this would represent the Holy Spirit coming upon a person for a purpose. In Exodus 30, 23, it talks about the making of the anointed, anointing oil and its purpose. I'm going to read it really quick. Also take for yourself quality spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much sweet smelling cinnamon, 250 shekels, 250 shekels of sweet smelling cane, 500 shekels of cassia according to the, the, the shekel of the sanctuary and the hint of olive oil. And you shall make from these a holy anointing oil, an ointment compounded according to the art of the perfumer. It shall be a holy anointing oil. With it, you shall anoint the tabernacle of the meeting, the ark of the testimony, the table and all its utensils, the lampstand and its utensils, the altar of incense, the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils, and the laver and its base. You shall consecrate them that they may be most holy. Whatever touches them must be holy. And you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them, and they may minister to me as priests." And you shall speak to the children of Israel, saying, This shall be a holy anointing oil to me throughout generations. So this holy anointing oil would come to separate things unto God for a purpose. Okay? An example of this is, is um, when David was anointed as king. Samuel showed up and he looked at all of David's brothers and he knew none of them were the ones to be anointed as king, but David was to be anointed as king. First Samuel 16, 
13 says, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, David, in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. David was being marked and separated for a purpose. He didn't become king at that moment, but he became separated as king. There was an anointing that came upon his life for a king, for being a king because he had been anointed and and separated for it. He was being set apart to fulfill a purpose. It was a sign to everyone that he had been marked. Kings, prophets, priests, and places were anointed. Whenever God wanted to set something apart, he would have it anointed with oil. In the New Testament, in Luke 7, verse 37 says, And behold, a woman in their city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Again, using oil as what they would anoint with, okay? James 5.14 talks about it as well when it says lay hands on the sick and anoint them with oil. Is the, is, it, is the oil a magic potion that works? No, not at all. It was the representation of the Holy Spirit. You can lay hands on the sick. You can lay hands on people right now. You don't need to have oil to see them healed. But the oil was a representation of the Holy Spirit. And actually, whenever you're looking in the Bible, and if you're reading in the Old Testament, oftentimes you can look at the word oil in the Old Testament, and most often it will represent the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible is symbolic. So the anointing is a person. It's the person, it's the work, And it's the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit. And because he was fully man, he needed the Holy Spirit to fulfill his purpose. He had to have the Holy Spirit. The word Christ, when we talk about Jesus and we say Jesus Christ, the word Christ means the anointed one. So we say Jesus, the anointed one. He was anointed to fulfill the purposes and the plans that God had for him in this life. Luke 3.21 says this. I'm going to show you how Jesus was anointed by the Spirit of God. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was open and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. At that moment, the anoint, the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus for him to be able to fill, fulfill the work of the ministry. In Luke 4, which is right after Jesus was baptized and the, and the Holy Spirit came upon him, the next chapter after that, this is what we see. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness being tempted for 40 days by the devil. So then after Jesus was baptized, he came out, the Holy Spirit came upon him. It says, then Jesus 
who was filled with the Spirit, was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. And then later on, we read this already, but Jesus stands up in the temple and what does he say? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because he has anointed me. Why did he anoint him? To preach the gospel to the poor. He had sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who were oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So Jesus stands up and says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me because I have a purpose to fulfill. In Acts 10, 38, it says just this, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. So Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit. Did you ever think about that before? You think, oh, Jesus just did it all because he was Jesus. No, he had the Holy Spirit. He was anointed. So Jesus needed the anointing, which is the Holy Spirit, the power of God. If Jesus needs the anointing, (laughs) so do you. So Jesus, Jesus actually baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. And this is the baptism of Jesus. Matthew 3.11 says, I indeed baptize you with water. That's um, John the Baptist. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he, Jesus, who is coming after me is mightier than me, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Mark 1.8 says that, Luke 3.16 says that, you can go read that. In John 1.33, it says it like this, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, this is John the Baptist saying this, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Okay, I'm laying a foundation and I'm, I'm trying to move fast for us so that we understand what, it, what the anointing means, what the Holy Spirit means, what it, what it means. So the word bapti- baptism comes from the word baptizo. And that means to immerse, to dip repeatedly, to submerge, to overwhelm, to produce a lasting change. So he says, I baptize you, I immerse you with the Holy Spirit. I dip you repeatedly in the Holy Spirit to make sure that you are covered. And he says, and and when I do that, it will produce a lasting change in your life. John 14, this is Jesus as he has risen from the dead and he's come back to hang out with the disciples. And he's got some last parting words to leave with them. And he talks about the Holy Spirit. Look what he says. John 14, 16. If you love me, show it by doing what I've told you. I will talk to the Father and he will provide you another friend so that you will always have someone with you. This friend is the spirit of truth. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. This friend is the spirit of truth. The godless world can't take him in because it doesn't have eyes to see him doesn't know what to look for but you know him already because he's been staying with you and will even be in you he's been staying with them because Jesus has been among them 
and the spirit of God has been upon him. He's like, you, you recognize him, you'll know him. Then later on, he says to them in verse 26, I'm telling you these things while I'm still living with you. The friend, he's making a big point of it. This is important. The Holy Spirit is so important. So he says it again. The friend, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send at my request, will make everything plain to you. He will remind you of all the things I have told you. Then in John 16, he's like hammering this point home. He's got to talk about it. John 16, verse 13, he says, I still have many things to tell you, but you can't handle them now. But when the friend comes, the spirit of truth, he will take you by the hand and guide you into all truth there is. He won't draw attention to himself, but will make sense of what is about to happen. And indeed, out of all that I have done and said, he will honor me. He will take from me and deliver it to you. Everything the Father has is also mine. That is why I've said he takes from me and delivers to you. So we're, he's getting really close to ascending back into heaven. He's almost there. He spent 40 times, or 40 times, 40 days with the disciples. And so now we come to Acts 1 and this is it. This is his final thing that he says to the disciples. After his death, Acts 1, after his death, he presented himself alive to them in many different settings over a period of 40 days. In face-to-face -face meetings, he talked to them about things concerning the kingdom of God. As they met and ate meals together, he told them that they were on no account to leave Jerusalem, but must wait for what the Father had promised. The promise you heard from me, John baptized in water, but you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit and soon. Then verse seven, he says, he told them, you don't get to know the time. Timing is the Father's business. What you'll get is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will be able to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, even to the ends of the, even to the ends of the world. And these were his last words. And I, I really honed in on, he said to them, you are by no means to leave don't get ahead of me. Don't go running off. You wait until the Holy Spirit comes because this is important. And he says, and once the Holy Spirit comes, you will then be my witnesses. Then you will begin to go out. And he says, you'll not only have influence in the city and in the capacity of the people that you're around, it will spread. But by no means do you leave this place. And it says, these were his last words. This was so important to Jesus that he had to talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is coming. And then of course in Acts 2, which is the day of Pentecost, which was last week, last Sunday. On the day of Pentecost, which means 50, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on them and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So the Holy Spirit shows up 10 days after Jesus leaves, the Holy Spirit shows up. And then in Acts 3, you'll see them, they're preaching, they're laying hands on the sick, they are going. Suddenly they've changed. These are men, we've talked about these are men who were kind of cowards, they ran away, they were disappointed, there was all the things, but suddenly this boldness and this courage, the anointing came upon them. 
and they began to go. The anointing changed everything and they couldn't do anything without the anointing. Without the Holy Spirit, the anointing is what makes the difference. And I really, this is, this is my point, the anointing is what makes the difference. You can have amazing giftings from God, but without the anointing, it's just a really great gift because it will make no change. It, it won't make any lasting change. It's the anointing. It's not you, it's not me, it's the anointing. And, and, and remember, it says he, he put the anointing in the Old Testament, the anointing was for kings and for priests. And what in the New Testament does it say you're called? Kings and priests, a holy nation, what? Set apart for him. The anointing is what makes the difference. When you rely on your own flesh or your own gifts, your own charisma, your own book smarts, your own whatever is your talent and gifting that God has given you, when you rely on that, then you aren't relying on the Holy Spirit and no difference will actually be made. Only the anointing can heal. Only the anointing can deliver. Only the anointing can bring freedom. Only the anointing can bring blessing. Only the anointing can bring favor. The anointing is what makes the difference and it comes through your surrender to the Holy Spirit. In John 6, 63, it says, the spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. Remember we, when we first started speaking about the Holy Spirit, and I used the story of how the Chinese had come to Canada and spent time, or to America, and spent time with Billy Graham, and Billy Graham asked them what he thought of the North American church, and they said, I can't believe how much you get done without the Holy Spirit. Without the anointing, the call of God on your life is dangerous. But with the anointing, you become dangerous. And I'll tell you why. Because the anointing is what breaks the yoke. And the enemy becomes very afraid of anyone who begins to operate in the anointing. Because we can show up and I can give a nice message we can show up and do nice things. That, that, that doesn't make the enemy afraid because it makes no difference. But when the anointing is there, it changes everything. People begin to get set free. Things begin to change. Moments can change in an instant under the anointing. If you wanna fulfill the call of God on your life, you need the anointing. Without the anointing, your call will be a heavy burden. That's why the Bible says my yoke is easy and my burden is light because of the anointing. And Satan is afraid of the anointing. Isaiah 10, 27 says this, it shall come to pass in that day that this burden will be taken away from your shoulders and his yoke from your neck. And the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing.
The yoke often represents something that you serve. Something that it's something that you serve, that you work for, something that you're attached to. And it says, in that day, because of the anointing, the yoke, that thing that you're in bondage to gets broken. Why? Because of the anointing. Okay. Back to Acts 4. We've seen Acts 1, Acts 2, where the Holy Spirit falls. Acts 3, they, are, they go out and they begin to do all the things. They become witnesses and they're healing the sick. But then in Acts 4, verse 30, you see them back together again. This is the disciples. They're back together again. The same ones that were in Acts 2 and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 4, they're together again. Verse 30, and they are praying this, stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. The same ones in Acts 2 were back together again and the Holy Spirit shows up and fills them again. Because we're to be, Ephesians says, to be be being filled, to be constantly filled. It's not a one-time thing that you're constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. In Psalms 92, David talks about it. He says it like this, but my horn you have exalted like a wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil that I need, that you need fresh oil. Every day, all the time, fresh oil. To be being filled continuously. And I, and I think that sometimes we lose the importance of the anointing in our lives, of the Holy Spirit in our lives that I need this to do my job, that I need to, I need to do this to raise my children. I need the Holy Spirit. I, I need the Holy Spirit in my marriage. I need the Holy Spirit in every area because that's what makes the difference. And a lot of us aren't, myself included, will go through times where I don't go and get fresh oil and live on what was yesterday's. Fresh oil, we need fresh oil. The word of God releases the anointing in your life. That's where you get fresh oil, the word of God. Worship, that's another. And, and worship isn't music, okay? However, however worship comes to you, worship is that, that living and being thankful and always turning praise to God. If you love music, do it that way too. Whatever it is, but worship is that constant thank you God, looking to Him, um, giving Him gratitude for your life. You're worshiping Him. You're pouring your life out on Him. Worship. And the other one is praying. Pray. You must be spending private time with God. You must be spending private time. 
And that, that has to be a marker for us of this is, this is something that I, I can't let life get in the way because the price of neglecting your private time with God is higher than you think. The price that you pay. And we don't often recognize it right away, but the price of neglect is high. because it's the anointing that makes the difference in every single area of our life. The anointing isn't just for when you're laying hands on people. The anointing is to flow out of you in every area of your life, touches every area of your life. Wherever you are, the anointing flows out of you. So the enemy will always try to stop the anointing. If Jesus did what he did by the power of the Holy Spirit, then that power is available to us. And then you receive the power to be able to lay hands on the sick and see them recovered, see people set free, see people oppressed by devils free. And that's why the enemy so opposes the Holy Spirit, the works of the Holy Spirit, the activation of the Holy Spirit. He opposes it because he knows what happens. I'm almost finished. If you want the fire of God in your life, you will need to keep repentance in your life. Many of us don't fall out of love for God, we fall out of repentance. And I was thinking about it this morning when I was reading over this and I, I was thinking about repentance and, and what repentance is, is it's course correcting, it's turning back. And throughout our entire lives, this will happen where we will get off track something will happen, distraction will happen, something will happen in our life where we were walking this way with God and suddenly something happens and we start to kind of walk this way. Repentance is, oh, I got off track. Forgive me, God. And getting back on track. That's what repentance is. So it's this constant way of life of, hey, Shannon, how'd you get here? Oh, God, how did I get here? You're right. I repent back on track it's living this life in relationship with him where it's like god is there anything in me we somebody said it today search my heart is there something yeah right here get back on track it's living this life of repentance because that keeps us on on track but when we don't live a life of repentance it's not that we stop loving god we're not like i don't want to love god anymore i'm done that doesn't happen. What happens is you usually start walking this way and start walking this way until you've gotten far from him and the things of God have gotten far from you. So living a life of repentance. In Revelations 2 verse 4, it says, but I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, which from where you have fallen. It's like, remember. Remember you were over here and, and we were headed this way. He says, remember that? Let's evaluate where you are right now. That's what it's saying. Let's look. Remember this? Look at this. 
And immediately after that, he says, repent. Do the works you did at first, repent. When you are hungry for God, you will repent. When you are passive, you will make excuses. When you are hungry for God, you will still make mistakes. But you won't make excuses. You think of Saul and David in the Bible, both kings. David messed up, man. You can, David messed up and then he messed up again and then he messed up again. But he lived a life of repentance. I got off track again, God. I got off track again, God. Saul made excuses and blamed people. Well, the reason I'm here is because of that and the reason it's because of them and they said this and that and they moved here. Making excuses instead of just owning it and getting back on track. So four things that'll, that'll stop the flow of the Spirit in your life. Offense. Offense kills your fire. And, and I believe that I'm going to say as I'm thinking we're ending this series on the Holy Spirit but as we're in this place today I, I really believe that the Holy Spirit would take us into a place of repentance so as I say these things just search your heart that maybe I've gotten into this place and have stopped the flow of the Holy Spirit in my life. And then I believe that the Holy Spirit is gonna fill us. And so offense is one of the things, and if this is you, just God, is this me, you know? I always think of the, the disciples when they're sitting with Jesus and Jesus is like, one of you is going to betray me. And they're like, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? Do that in this moment. Is it me, God? <laughs> but offense, have you gotten into offense? And in your offense, have you spoken against someone? Have you spoken against someone to someone else? Because that causes disunity, it causes division. And you know in, in Psalms 133, it talks about the unity of the spirit and it says it's like the anointing oil that fell from Aaron's beard. And it says, in that place where there's unity, in that place, God commands a blessing. The opposite of that is causing division. The anointing will stop flowing there. There will be no blessing in that area. And so, I ask you to, to look into your heart. Is there places in my heart, in my life, where I have gotten into offense, 
division, but I could tell you a story and I won't for the sake of time, but I can, I can promise you this, that I have seen backbiting and I have seen, like it talks about in James 5, I think, it talks about backbiting and um, um, going after each other and wanting their own way and seeing all hell break loose because that was released. And once it was dealt with, seeing the blessing of the, of the Lord come back into a situation. I'm telling you, sometimes we want to hold on to our own way. Not recognizing the, the expense of holding on to your offense, what it's doing to you, what it's doing to your family, what it's doing to the things around you. It's not worth it. The Lord always, his, his, the, his ways are always because he wants blessing for you and he wants to direct your path for good things. So if you're dealing with offense, division, any of that, you, you've gotten into that, deal with that today. Disappointment. Disappointment will, will, will stop the flow of the spirit of God. And you're like, what? Disappointments will come. 100% they'll come, but you can't stay there. And oftentimes we, we, we stay there. And so this morning that you would allow the Holy Spirit to come into that place where disappointment has been allowed to reside, to move in. The most beautiful thing, if you look at the story of the road to Emmaus, those are two men and they are walking and talking in the middle of their disappointment. And who shows up and walks right alongside them? What are you talking about, guys? Don't you know? <laughs> and in the middle of this disappointment, Jesus shows up and begins, it says he began to speak of the things. He began to speak truth to them. In the middle of your disappointment, if you will be like, you know what, actually I've allowed it to reside. I don't want this here. You will see Jesus begin to speak truth and speak life to those situations. And like they said, their eyes were open. And then they realized, did our hearts not burn within us? Allow them into that space to begin to speak to the disappointment because it can't Disappointment cannot stay there. It's okay to be disappointed. That's, but it can't be allowed to stay. Busyness. Intimacy with the Holy Spirit makes you fruitful. If you are too busy to pray, you're too busy. Busyness will stop the flow of the Spirit. Materialism. when it becomes something that you're driven towards, will stop the flow of the Spirit. I heard it say, said like this with materialism is, how to, I'm trying to think how it's said. Eh? Where you constantly have your hands in God's pockets, but you won't allow them in yours. And if, and if there is materialism, let me say this, oftentimes for myself, 
When I get involved in materialism, it's usually because I'm avoiding something in my own life that I don't want. I'm trying to fill a void. I've become, probably myself, have become disappointed. And so then I become driven towards something else. So if you're like, oh yeah, materialism is hitting home for me, ask why? What is it in me that's caused me to turn this way? So I want us to take a moment and just, just repent. I'll let the praise and worship team um, just sing the bridge of that song. And, and once, we, once we repent, all of us, leaders included, prayer team included, once that's happened, prayer team, you'll know when. I want you to come up. And I, I want us to lay hands on people this morning. And I really felt like, like I read, the anointing is what breaks the yoke. And I feel like there's people who have really been struggling with a lot of things in their life and that there are, that there's a breaking that's gonna take place. And I especially felt it in the way of marriages. Things can change under the anointing, under the power of the anointing. And I just felt it. So if you're married and you're like, you know, we're struggling, come up. If you're married and you're like, we're not struggling, <laughs> but I will take some more anointing in, and, and we can all use it, right? A fresh oil. It's like, yeah, I want God in the middle of my marriage. Or maybe you didn't see it like that. You're like, I didn't, I didn't even think that there could be an anointing for marriage. God commands a blessing into that place. We're, and that's why the enemy will always come and try to cause division where it was meant to be unity. So let's, I'll, I'll let the praise and worship team, let's just repent of, of anything that God's showing you to get back on track. As we seek fire, fall down, fire, fall down, on us we pray. Fire, fall down, fire, fall down, on us we pray. As we see fire fall down, fire fall down, on us we pray. Fire fall down, fire fall down, on us we pray. 
Father, we, we repent. For getting off track or getting off course. For places that we've become offended. Cause a division. Spoke against people. Or just hardened our hearts. To be ministers of reconciliation. We get back on track, Father. Forgive us. Father, forgive us for closing the doors of our heart where disappointment was allowed to stay in our lives. we shut the door and didn't let you into those places. Father, we open the doors of our heart to you to be able to speak words of life. Father, we repent for busyness. Not recognizing the price of neglect. thinking that we could do it on our own. And not remembering that you were everything. From materialism, God, where the, the things of the world became more important than you. And became what drove us. Instead of your spirit being what led us. Forgive us, Father. And anything else that you're bringing up in our spirits right now, forgive us. We want your ways. We want your heart. We want to see your glory. For more information about Embassy Church, visit our website at embassychurch.ca. Thank you.